We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody, and welcome into the Backliners podcast, Agro and Barracuda, as per usual. But this week, we have a very special guest on the show. It's SSG Pookie, a member of the management team over at Space Station Gaming. Super excited uh, to have him along. Before we get into it, though, I just got to let you know that this week's episode of the Backliners is presented by Factor Meals. Check out go.factor75.com slash backliners130 to save $130. What a steal that is. Uh, Pookie, thanks so much for coming on, man. Super excited to have you. Uh, I know that you were saying that, you know, you were thankful to, to come on the show, but I think that you're going to be, uh, we haven't had anybody from uh, an esports organization management on the show quite yet. And I think that it's such a core part of esports. You know, everyone knows about all these orgs and that kind of stuff, but I don't think anyone mm-hmm. really knows what it's like to run an org and what it's like to, to watch players that, that you signed compete and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so I think that I'm really excited to, to get your perspective, um, on it. So thanks so much for coming on, man. Hey, um, super excited to be here. Yeah. It's just, uh, a surreal experience, uh, kind of started and grew up in smite. That's like where we found the first people to take a, a risk on us as an org. And so we're like super grateful and, uh, Sucks that we're not in it, man. We want to be back. <laughs> so hopefully yeah. somehow in the future we get works back in. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just like, it's like optic and like Call of Duty. Like it's just like, you know, it's just like how Smite is for us. It's just like, just want to be part of it, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll be getting into, uh, you know, the the current structure a little bit and, and all that kind of stuff in a little bit. But you said you, you kind of got started in Smite and that it was one of your, your first big loves uh, as a gamer. So kind of give the... The general fans out there, uh, could you give them a little background on how you got started in Smite and how that kind of translated into Space Station? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, uh, I really suck at like this talking stuff. So I actually put down (laughs) some notes in my Slack, like the whole kind of story. Oh, smart man. That's adorable. Yeah. (laughs) I want to come prepped and ready. (laughs) That's more, whatever you did was more prepped for this podcast than Barracuda and I have done combined (laughs) in the last like six months. Yeah, hey. I did have Destiny write the questions last time. <laughs> that is literally <laughs> true. I asked him to write questions, and he had Destiny do it. Oh, man. Sorry, sorry, Pugin. Yeah, go no, ahead. you're good. Um, so I get kind of give a little bit more background. Um, Space Station Gaming's founder, Sean Durris, is like a social media influencer. Um, but anyways, I, I grew up like just like a normal friend like before all of this ever started. We skateboarded. We played Call of Duty together. 
like we played okay here's another story we played on the wii u and there was like we took it super sweaty got super competitive there's probably like 300 people so it was just really fun to like you just run into the same people every time mm-hmm. and so it's probably what you experience like a high-end rank but like people who mm-hmm. suck at smile like i just don't come across that like i don't remember i don't come across like the same people like it just doesn't happen so sure i think that's kind of where i like fell in love with like that like mm. just kind of that feeling of like uh esports um but anyways um all through that time of like us kind of just goofing off being friends he was um sean was a rep for dc shoes neff like skateboard clothing brand so he would travel all across like western united states and he would just kind of snapchat his journeys while he was going um and so that kind of took off and kind of grew a little audience there and just like we remained friends and over the next couple of years as we started playing smite and fell in love with it like we really just kind of fell in love with it as fans initially like before esports even started for us um and his kind of little social media career had taken off. And then we saw like in 2017, I think Soar had dropped Jigs' team and they became Monkey um, Madness. And I said, Sean, like you're seeing like the success on social media of building community, running brand deals, kind of like that start of like the influencer phase. Like what if we like took that and tried to apply it to esports and like this could be our first attempt at it, but like, kind of that was our big pitch it was like jigs vedium um homie andister final okay like that's such a dope roster oh, right? yeah like, that's a stacked <laughs> team dude that team was really good like yeah like that's our first entry into esports like that's a sick roster to pick up like we were so excited um and that was kind of our pitch was like we didn't feel like orgs like had like content that was like funny and engaging with the community and like inside jokes and that's kind of where we came in and thought we could make a difference is like kind of understood that community building a little bit more coming from the YouTube space. And yeah, those guys kind of took the risk on us. And I think uh, just from there it took off and we'll just always be uh, grateful for it. But um, anyways, yeah, now I, I'm a content director for the org. So I just kind of ideate and like help come up with um, the ideas when we announce teams or have to do partnership videos or like kind of like our brand voice and direction on social media. So that's kind of where I'm at where i'm at now but yeah all started in smite and just um have always loved it and we still play to this day all the time we'll play at lunch break and stuff so that's a awesome, good time man. yeah that's awesome i mean the, the the team has grown to do incredible things i mean world championships and other esports and that kind of stuff and uh, mm-hmm. obviously really really awesome to see from you know bear i, I want to ask you a question about this in a minute but i think it'd probably be best to start with pookie what in your opinion, Pookie, is an organization's role for an esports team? Like, what is an org supposed to provide to a team? Um, I think it kind of depends on org to org, but I would think bare minimum for a competitive team, like, you need to provide, like, um, a fair salary of whatever the ecosystem of that org is at the time. Um give them equipment to like perform at the level that they need to perform at. And um, like, depending on the league or what's set up, like housing and like help managing all of those expectations. Um, and then along with that, like, I don't want to like toot our own horn, but <laughs> every game we've ever entered, like we wanted to treat it like it's a tier one esports. So we like, why be in a game if we're not going to promote it like as well as we can each game. So we try to take that approach mm-hmm. with everything as well. So I think an org owes a team that as well. 
Yeah. Barra, from, from your perspective mm-hmm. as a longtime player, I mean, you played under a lot of orgs, some mm-hmm. some small, uh, some really big like Cloud9, some really awesome like Space Station. What, what uh, from your perspective, what, what do you think is the most important thing that an org provides for players? Uh, I kind of, like, it's different org to org, because there's some orgs where I'm like, please don't talk to me. And there's some <laughs> orgs where I'm like, I enjoy doing content for, and then there's some orgs where I'm like, just pay me a salary, and like, that's all I want. Mm-hmm. And... It's it's weird from my journey of orgs, because we started on, like, Exertus Esports, which I don't even know if that's still their name anymore. Um, but I was still just, a thing? I'm looking it up. I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, keep doing your thing. But back then, it was, like, mouse and keyboard and, like, peripherals. And if I get an org that would give me peripherals, I was like, holy. Like, mm-hmm. this is sick. That was a big deal. Like, yeah. Like, even, like, any kind of sponsor that they had was like oh my gosh like i'm like signed by them and they have like this as a sponsor like, that's so cool mm-hmm. and then once we joined cog it was like baby salary and i was like this is sick this is yep. awesome and then cloud nine was also baby salary <laughs> and, I, and uh it just kind of like grew from there and yeah there's some more where i'm like I would prefer to be just, like, co-workers with, I guess, and just kind of keep it, like, a work relationship. Mm-hmm. And then I guess it started with, like, Space Station. Like, Space Station is definitely my favorite org of all time because it's more family-oriented, I guess, and feels more... It doesn't feel businessy, I mm-hmm. guess, and... As a person who hates business stuff and anything business related, just talking about like money or talking about like deals, I hate all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And talking to Space Station doesn't feel like that. It feels very homey and comfortable. Mm. Um, so it it just depends on like org to org, like what their job should be. I think for the players as well, because. For, I mean, to give Space Station as an example, Space Station loves doing content, but some players are not okay with doing content, or they're, like, going to be awkward in the content, or they can't come up with their own <laughs> ideas. Some players like, will be awkward doing no, no, content. No, it's, like, yeah. 90% of players, and it's, like, it's it's bad sometimes. It's like, the tough, stuff you can man. Add, Like, you can't ask certain things. Like, it's mm-hmm. fine. Like, that's not what the players are there for, definitely, but, like, for sure, like, when you have a player that's good at content, like an org loves that and just eats that stuff up, dude. Yep. Yeah, I uh, I can empathize with that. Doing a lot of you know planning a lot of content, and executing a lot of content for the SPL. Oh yeah, like I guess. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel bad for both you guys, and I didn't think about your side of it. Man, sometimes you know it, it all depends on the day too. Like sometimes yeah. there there are people who, if you catch them in a good mood or you know mm-hmm. in, in the right zone, then it's going to be really good. Uh, other times it's like, man, we, uh, I remember when we, like during the pandemic, we started doing those like one-on-one in-depth player interviews over webcam, mm-hmm. um, as a way to, to create content. And I really liked doing those things. Uh, I think that that's some of my favorite content to consume, um, and also create is more, I mean, you know, the roster apocalypse doc was something that I worked on super hard and, uh, really enjoyed. And, and I really liked that more long form stuff. The players who were into it, uh, I thought it was awesome. 
um, the players who were less into it, uh, whether with me or someone else, uh, those are the tough ones where you're like, okay, this was slated to be 30 minutes of content. Uh, and I've done all of my questions in seven. <laughs> what do I do? Like, what is going on here? Uh, so what's your favorite color? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's where all of our random questions of the week come from. Those are all filler mm. questions that I've used for players <laughs> over the years. <laughs> not not actually, though. Um, yeah, I remember, I can speak a little bit about, you know, I was in a... I was in the the Russian egg doll of Smite, which is you know a small scene in general in comparison to other tier one esports, to tier one esports, especially back then, season two, season three, when I was competing. And then I was on I was in the SCL, the Smite console league. So it's an even smaller portion of an already small esport at the time. Uh, and I remember dealing with a lot of orgs who um, were not uh were not great i'm i'm out of the game now so i feel ha- i'm happy to name and shame it doesn't affect me at all in any way uh i, hey, I was captain I'm of, right there with you <laughs> i was captain of two elevate teams uh at lands um including worlds and never got a jersey uh but i oh. but it was gonna be there man for it i can't they couldn't believe that it didn't show up in time you know no here's the thing though like, I've, I've heard from jeff back in the day like maybe I shouldn't have said that, but <laughs> I'll just say in org he was on, like he just wanted to leave because like they couldn't do something as simple as send them merch from the warehouse. Like how easy of an ask is that? Yeah. And how do you not take care of your players? Like at that basic of a level, like you're literally signing them to represent you. Like you can't even send them the stuff to represent you. Like that's got to feel so mm-hmm. bad yep. as a player. Oh man. Yep. I mean, like, I've been, a, yeah. in the same yeah. thing for, for sore, I was captain of a, of the sore team. Went to a LAN. Uh, we got T-shirts uh, that did have our names on the back. Uh, and then I went to another LAN um, where I was casting and asked Sor if they wanted me to wear my jersey. And they said, no, uh, we're still working on jerseys for you guys. But you could wear the T-shirt if you want. Um, and I was like, no thanks. Uh, I'm good on that. I have more Space Station stuff because Pookie's the homie than for Elevate or Sor, who I played on for over a year combined uh, between those two teams. Uh so the, the 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 difference between a good org and a bad org is, it's it, astronomical. It's well, no, astronomical. that's the thing. Is like, I can send you a fifteen dollar hoodie like at our cost, and mm-hmm. you're gonna wear it on streams, and we're gonna get so much publicity that and you're just stoked because yeah. you got a hook up from what is a very minimal cost from us. So yeah, it's just so just, so many. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the the same across so many businesses. Um, you know, you hear about bosses who would rather save a dime than make a than make a grand. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you just you're so worried about cutting these little costs and that kind of stuff. Um, but at the same time, when before I joined Elevator Soar, when I was on a, a team that I literally just created with my IRL friends and some people we met online, and we went to our first land, we were under an org called Aware Gaming. Um, and it was literally one dude who just had some extra income and loved esports. Uh, his, his, uh, tag Sounds was like Sean, man. Yep. And he was the best oh, I, that I, ever, I ever played for. Um, cool guy. We were going to MLG New Orleans. He like front, he, he covered our travel costs because it wasn't guaranteed. That was to qualify to the SCL. So everyone had to cover that themselves. He covered our hotel in our flights um and was and was there and you know we didn't have a salary with them or anything like that but that was like the deal is that he would cover our land costs and send us some merch every once in a while and all that kind of stuff and um 
he was just a good dude and I've got so much respect for that guy uh, and really appreciate what he, I mean, obviously what he was able to do. I don't know if I would have been able to go to the land and if I didn't go to mm-hmm. that land, then I wouldn't have made the SCL. And if I didn't make the SCL, I wouldn't have been able to cast when we didn't make it. And I wouldn't have gotten this job. So, you know, he, he, obviously I, I think that he set me up for a lot of great success without really knowing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that as a player, it's really easy to just be like, oh, whatever. I'm just going to go with the org that gives me the most money, which is obviously a huge part of it. Um, but have it, being on an org that you don't have to stress like, oh, you know, are they going to pay me on time? Are they going to ask me to do something last minute and not send me the stuff that I need in order to get it done and all that kind of stuff? Or are they going to be easy to work with and just have my back and not have to worry about it? I think it actually does impact performance of that team because mm-hmm. you know you need to be able to to not stress about your day-to-day little things it's the same for every job it's not just esports like if you're stressed about little things then your day-to-day performance is going to suffer um and i think that that's something that until you're in it and you're in that industry uh and you're dealing with contract negotiations or an org that isn't answering your messages or something like that like you think uh you know it's not a big deal like it's just how it is and at some level that's true but having an org that you don't have to stress about, uh, I do think makes a makes a bigger difference than people would expect. Uh, I don't know yeah, if you agree with that, Barra. Getting paid on time is also kind of cool. That's pretty uh, dope, huh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there was a few, not to point, you know, name, you know, pointy fingers, name any names, you uh-huh. know, but uh, sometimes it'd be like three months you know four months and uh we just get like a big old lump of cash and i'm like well that's nice but well luckily bills nice... are really understanding about that kind of stuff you know yeah like, they you really talk are. to like your rent your like apartment complex and you're like well they're gonna pay me eventually they're like oh that's yeah. super cool by us you don't have to pay us until then yeah they i have an that. esports contract so uh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah man i'm I mean, getting money <laughs> yeah it'll it'll be here eventually i swear i mean i imagine the the big thing what, uh, go ahead what other industry do you get away with that though like it's yeah, so you don't. it's mm. crazy it's crazy like that's affecting people's lives and you can't even it's wild we're getting yeah. deep though you know well i just it's imagine yeah, exactly. <laughs> well i imagine that a lot of it is just due to the average age uh of mm-hmm. the employee um in esports and their work experience you know how many of these Mm -hmm. kids are going to have previous work experience or anything like that or um one of the great things about esports is that you can be in a uh underprivileged situation and find yourself in a position to make a lot of money that you wouldn't have been able to make before but that is the perfect recipe to be taken advantage of and and things like that which is obviously really terrible but um bad people will do bad things so it's you hear about all these scams from from orgs and individuals and all that kind of stuff and i think that it's those two things combined really is that the average age is very young and their experience is very limited uh and which kind of opens the door a lot of players including myself don't really read the contracts it's just like oh, <laughs> some of these contracts don't tell, Pook, like... what if pookie's trying to write you a contract bro now he knows he can slip it in you can slip anything in there Dude, I'd let Pookie slip anything in that contract. <laughs> hey, oh, oh hello. Okay, Barra. <laughs> Brought to you by Min? Oh. Yeah, Min. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if Min is super. <laughs> Min 
Vince like, not that part. We're not sponsoring that part. That's the one part of the podcast they don't want to sponsor. Not right there. I'm sabotaging, dude. I didn't. I didn't yeah, say exactly. Uh, agreement. No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, what a, a, I imagine though that when Barrow was talking about all of his experiences and saying that SSG feels a lot more like a family, I, I think that it's got to come down to the familiarity with the scene that you're getting into that can create that type of environment, right? Like, I imagine that when you're getting set to get, you know, you're not waking up one day and going, it'd be cool to own a Halo team. I've never (laughs) even looked at Halo before, but I'm going to go, like, talk to some players and figure it out. Like, I imagine that in order to create that type of environment, Pookie, it's important to, like, really have a, a connection to the scenes that you're getting into. For sure. Um... Yeah, 100%. Like, we were very aware of, like, inside jokes, the community and, like, Pro League and, like, aware of all the drama and stuff. At least I was. And, like, so as me making the content, like, I was able to hit on those inside jokes with the community, which I think um, really resonated well. But also, like, let's take SSG versus 100 Thieves, for example. Like, we're, like, our content and our approach just to esports in general is so different where... Mm -hmm. I think our content style lends a lot more to being able to make those stupid meme pre-games and like dumb references where 100 Thieves is really building like a premier lifestyle brand where like maybe your marketing, your Twitter doesn't allow you to post those things very much. So like we very much benefit in that and like, but it was all like a decision. Like again, like we came from the YouTube world of like building community and like engaging with fans. So like that's just how we wanted to approach esports. But Mm. any like org, like, our way isn't any better than hundred thieves. And I don't think their way is any better than us. Like definitely they're a bigger org and like way bigger than SSG. But like, I'm just saying like companies with our approach can like grow to that size. Like, I don't think that's impossible. So, you know, just do what you're good at and like build how you want to build. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't see much point in trying to make the exact same company as hundred thieves or. And we can't like, we're a bunch of 30 year old dads from Utah. Like we have no (laughs) business like trying to be like a hundred thieves and like, luckily i guess we're aware of that and we don't try to and we just do it our own way so yeah absolutely um what you you mentioned that you kind of came from this youtube background and all that kind of stuff what were some misconceptions that you had about getting into esports like how was it different than what you thought it would be uh in in that community building for sure um you want like community side or like player side, I guess. Both, give me both if you if you got it. All right. I got a funny story. Um, yeah. I'm gonna, uh, this is for the my community. This will be for Jigs. I don't even care. If <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we were just starting and I just had the impression of like, um, I grew up playing baseball in high school, like travel baseball, travel basketball. And like, I just remember like the weekends, like with my friends were just like the funnest ever, like at tournaments, staying at hotels, like didn't matter like it was just the time of our lives and that's how I thought esports was going to be for a lot of the teams like best friends hanging out like we finally made it to pro gaming like this is it like we're living the dream and like I just thought that would be like kind of the the team morale but like early on we we were like just signed the team like um Jigs and the guys um and we like brought them our first like opportunity as a sponsor as Razor and Jigs like ah can't do it man and i'm just like what like what do you mean you can't do this like we went out and like we fought for this like we were a no-name org like yeah sean's not a huge influencer at the time like but like definitely has like the right mindset to do it and it's like man like come on like he's like this is the line i'll never forget he goes yeah you just 
you just got to draw the line somewhere, man. And like, <laughs> I guess that just was across the line. So. <laughs> And, uh, so that always oh my god was like, that okay. was the first no, sponsor no. you guys brought them to razor yeah and he's just like eh, you gotta draw the sucks. line somewhere it just so yeah. happens to be the exact first opportunity to draw it <laughs> like <laughs> the second i have one one opportunity to draw the line i'm drawing it yeah <laughs> that is that's, so that's, funny man doesn't make it but also like now that i've like been in the industry a long time not a long time like four or five years is all but like, you guys are the best at what you do. Like, of course you want the best equipment. I'm not saying that Razor, like, can't provide that, but, like, if people have different preferences and they want something better, like, is that really crazy to think about, like, getting the best at the world at what they do, like, the best equipment? Like, no. And so that's kind of the opportunity you want to provide orgs and players as well, I guess. So, mm-hmm. that, Dude, that is so, that is such a good story. Yeah, as a, that. as a player that always wants to use his own equipment, the, like, Going between orgs, like being able to use my own equipment and then going to an org that where you can't use your own equipment and then they like swap sponsors, so then you have to swap gear and get used to like all new sponsor or all new gear. Or they like send you stuff like, Oh yeah, we need you to use like this mouse or keyboard and like it's just swapping nah. between that stuff, like you have to relearn all the muscle memory all over again. It's just a lot. So I it's kind of funny that I relate to Jigs back then, but the way he handled it is really funny. <laughs> no, really for cool. sure. Yeah, it's just like a, yeah, it's like heart crushed, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, hey guys, I brought Muddy Buddies to sleep. I was like, dude, F Muddy Buddies, dude. That's stuff sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and screw you for suggesting it too. Yeah, yeah dude. why would you bring those? That's so. Oh man, I love that story. And just knowing Jigs, like I can hear it in his voice right. absolutely perfectly. Like, just such a funny phrase for him. Um. I think that when, well, I know that whenever I was like explaining getting into esports to like my parents and my grandparents and all this kind of stuff, uh, when I was talking to them about, oh, you know, we're negotiating with this org and like it's such a pain and, and all this kind of stuff, they were like, how do these orgs like w- make money? Like, what do they mm-hmm. do in order to like actually create a business? And I'm sure that a mm-hmm. lot of our listeners are a little bit more informed than my parents or grandparents though based on some chatter uh comments you never know um could you give like a breakdown of like how an org takes its investment in an esport and turns it into uh advancement for themselves yes um first off let's not get it twisted a lot of orgs just aren't making money it's definitely like a burn rate and like a hope of building like um something similar to the Atlanta Hawks or, you know, you're just kind of building a a sports brand that you can hopefully one day blow up and it gets crazy in 10 years or that like some billionaire comes and purchases for a hundred million. Like that's also super dope. Right. Um, But um, kind of the goal, or at least, at least where I found out, um, and this is kind of the other end of the business that I'm not super involved with, but what helps orgs a lot is it's not prize money. Like we don't take hardly anything of like, players prize pool winnings like you guys are in that that's your thing like take it like good for you we're excited that you won that um but we look for skin revenue in games um is a big part sponsorships can play a big part into it which are very hard to land in esports you'd be surprised like it feels like only the top echelon esports can really land like sponsorships that are huge financial like stuff like everyone's super dope hooking up um gear and stuff but like really the the top brands are the ones that land the huge ones but um Mm -hmm. and then um merch sales um is also 
pretty beneficial for us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but really like, yeah, a lot of orgs. We've been beneficial, I guess, because like, I feel like we're kind of the only org that's never had to take on investment money, which like is dope because you can do a lot of cool stuff, but then it's scary because then you got to answer to a lot of important mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, like Sean's had success and we've just been able to be so scrappy and like um, creative with how we approach it that like we've never had to take that. So like we own complete control. We get to run it how we want. And like now we don't have to answer to anyone and we get to do stuff. And like we don't have to have like insane revenue each month just because we don't have to like answered anyone so right. Sean recognizes that so we're like in a really cool position where it's just like build something cool do it the way we want and like either someday esports will blow up and like all these league spots we own will be like what Call of Duty's worth 15 million or something 30 million yeah Legends, so they like, say, how, how could it ever be worth uh, yeah I don't know if it's really worth that but like that's what it costs to get in at least so right um yeah so like that's kind of the plan is like you just it'll blow up eventually or someone will buy out it's like it like it's gonna get really popular like mainstream teams will buy it like traditional athletic teams will start purchasing or like huge companies or mm-hmm. whatever so yeah i think that makes i sense. don't know what do you think i've i've always thought like esports are going to become more like city-based teams and mm-hmm. eventually like you're just going to rep your city like that's like so event like we just want to become utah's esport and whenever Ryan Smith, he's the guy that just bought the Jazz a couple of years ago. Um, like, eventually he's going to be interested, and we need to make it so, like, there is no other option in Utah but mm-hmm. Space Station Gaming, so. Sure. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the regionality of traditional sports is a huge benefit to it, right? Because it removes all of the – it removes so much barrier to entry, for new viewers like you don't have to figure out who to root for you root for your city and that's really easy or the closest city um and of course you know it could be who your parents like or you know the jerseys that you like or whatever um but overall i think that esports's biggest challenge will always be its barrier to entry over traditional sports um it's that you don't grow up learning the rules in school of these games necessarily. Um, and there isn't always a ball. That's a concept that, that I talked about a lot and then continue to talk about when it comes to like casting MOBAs is that in basketball, if you don't know anything and you just follow where the ball is going, you'll figure it out pretty quickly. Uh, there mm-hmm. isn't a ball in a lot of games. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard to, for, you know, a uh, 50 year old parent to like watch what their kid is interested in and not just get insanely overwhelmed really quickly. Um, and so going to a more regional model is definitely, uh, a way to break down one of those barriers, but it also requires a lot to change. I think about the scene, um, really. And it's like turnover rate and it's longevity like player career trajectory, all that kind of stuff. Um, there just aren't that many players who are playing their game for 12 years. You know what I mean? Like how many mm-hmm. pro esports players have been doing it for, for a dozen years uh, straight. Um, and that makes the regionality of it a little bit harder because you're asking people to, to uproot and move, not making 60 million a year like they are in uh, traditional sports uh, for a career that, no one's really exactly sure how long it exactly lasts. Um, 
But all that stuff yeah. is, you know, everything I'm saying is could be applicable if basketball were being invented today. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I don't think that these are insurmountable things that need to happen or or maybe they don't even need to happen it can be a, a whole new thing um but i think there's definitely some advantage to to regionality bear i don't know if you have any thoughts on it uh i think it's pretty hard to do regionality um just due to like what states would you allow and not allow um or like what teams would you like, say for Smite, since there's only, like, eight teams, would you only have, like, eight regions? Or... Could be. Yeah, it could be eight cities. I mean, you look at smaller professional sports leagues that, mm-hmm. that have less teams, um, like somewhere like the WNBA. Um, yeah, the, the teams are just more spread out. I, I'm not very familiar with, like, league. How many people are in, like, LCS? How many teams? Um, I think it is back? 10 yeah, for LCS. But they're all in L.A. They're all in the- L.A. Does esports ever get to the point where it's like the NBA, like you have what thirty-two teams or whatever, or is that just too much? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I've never even thought about esports at that type of scale. It's a really interesting question. I think maybe in like a long time from now, but it's growing at like a very slow rate. I think, and also, there's, I don't know. Just the direction I think that content's going in general. I feel like Twitch is turning into more of a like drama thing than like an esports thing lately. Mm. And it's called lifestyle, Barry. We don't need that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just bro. I used to go on live stream fail so much, and I loved all the clips. And now it's like this oh, streamer said this about this, and this this is their reaction to this. I'm like, bro, just. Give me some funny. I just want to see people. I just want to see someone (laughs) drop their dinner walking back to their. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? That's what I'm on here for. Like, I totally agree with you. It's like that Tyler one clip of him like lifting the plate up to his webcam, and then like all the spaghetti just slides off onto his keyboard, and he just sits there. So funny. I I miss those clips, and I miss like the. I guess like the originality of Twitch in the beginning, and I feel like it's become more businessy which i don't think is a bad thing but i think people need to not like get more grassrootsy but kind of get that feeling back but yeah. it might just be because i've been in the scene for so long that the novelty and newness of it has worn off and we're getting old Bera. I, I, yeah i might be viewing things from like a sorry like a money perspective you can go sure no oh sorry oh you're finished no i i was oh. finished you can uh, I, guess, I think like you kind of are like seeing the return of that with like TikTok though. Like a lot of the big accounts that I see mm-hmm. are just like normal people at their weird job, but like people are just interested in like seeing like kind of just like kind of like casual behind the scenes, not so like business vibes. Mm-hmm. I feel like so. Like no, I definitely get what you mean. Like social media influencers, like I know I work for one, but a lot of them can just be very, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt you know. that Sean is the uh, he's the exception, not the rule to to yeah. that to that sphere yeah. for sure. Hundred percent. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm really like I can't believe I've never thought about esports from that angle, and now my brain is kind of like really diving into that idea. But I feel like so many of these tier one esports are setting themselves up to be tall, not wide. Like mm-hmm. I don't know how much crossover that term has. It's like a it's like a civil. Uh, it's mm-hmm. I've heard the most when it comes to like civ games. Um, but you can build something to be 30 teams wide, but no real clean, like, 
minor league setup or something like that. Or you can do something like what LCS has done, which is 10 teams. Uh, here's their academy teams. Here's the proving grounds or, you know, like Smite. Like, here's, here's your 10 teams. Here's the Smite Challenger circuit. Here's the Smite Open circuit. All that kind of stuff. And I feel like so many Tier 1 esports have gone to go for the tall. Maybe that's just less risk involved than than going wide but i feel like it is going to be hard because the more depth that you get the harder it's going to be to then spread out that amount of depth right yeah you gotta support that exactly whereas if you only had this you know a little slice that you could spread out over a bigger space that would be much easier than taking these like really big systems that you have to they have to spread out but I don't know. I don't know if that means that esports is always going to be more tall than wide, um, but it certainly it certainly is right now. Yeah, that's hard because it's like just esports titles in general don't last very long. But like I right. think that structure takes a long time to establish and build. So it's like you, like that's just scary as like an investment of like is it worth building this for six years if I don't even know my title is going to be relevant in six years? Right. So I mean, look at yeah. Overwatch. Did you guys know Overwatch Two is like still alive? Like I feel like I didn't. Huh? No, I haven't seen anything about that game, and that and Overwatch was supposed to be the like the premier, region like, league, you know, sport, like yeah. all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. You know, they were really pushing it, and they had Blizzard money uh, and the, and the capability to try and do something like that, and it had a lot of successes. But here's the really and here's the hard part, in my opinion, is that building a league is so hard, and building a scene is so hard, and at the core of it, your game has to be good. And it is really, really, really hard to make a good video game. Like, I'm pretty convinced that every good video game that has ever existed, Smite included, is a happy accident. A lot. Like, it, they all are. Because for all the best intentions and all the money that you can spend, you still end up with a game that isn't that fun at its core sometimes. And you, it's just such a crapshoot. Like, you don't really know... Like, no way the Rocket League devs thought that their game would get this big, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, you know, we're just going to do this thing. It sounds fun. And it's all of a sudden... because their has a ball, dude. It's just like you said. <laughs> that, is a huge, that is a huge part of it, no doubt. I actually, like... No, it really Rocket is. League, it's so easy to watch. Like, yep. And same for Counter-Strike for me for a bit. And I think that's why I never got into games like Valorant and Dota, where there's just so many moving things. If I haven't played the game, it's just a bit more complicated, and I just don't know what's going on. But I can, like, just always watch Rocket League. Like, I don't need to play Rocket League to watch it and get involved and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for the scale you guys were talking about earlier, there needs to be a game that just... uh, It needs to be, like, a new, like, Halo 2 in my opinion, where everyone plays Halo 2, everyone knows what Halo 2 is, and it just takes over the scene. And I think now, in my opinion, I think that gaming is spread a little too thin for there to be a major esport title mm-hmm. that, like, you brought up Overwatch earlier, like, I don't think Overwatch had the player base or the design to have the longevity, in my opinion. I don't think it was, like, a great game to watch. Yeah. Or be involved in, like, it just didn't, it was just boring to watch for me. Well, what, what I think is, like, if Rocket League had the same amount of, if if they had come up with the the Rocket League League, uh, like they did the Overwatch League, like, surely that was in the works even before, as the game's in beta. They're like, we have the game, like, this is going to be, it was supposed to be an esports first game from day one. 
That was their whole plan. With the amount of money and the amount of pressure in order to make that happen, if Rocket League was under that same idea, uh, it never would have turned out the exact same way, right? Like that amount of pressure and money just warps whatever it is from the get-go. And so it's so like, that's why I just think it's going to be so hard. And it makes me wonder in, in you know, the the expiration of esports and how quickly new ones come out and fade away and all that kind of stuff. It makes me wonder if the future of esports is not always just, I only play this game. I wonder if it's more like these gamers that can be really good at multiple games and that this, uh, an esports season would be competing in a rotating like list of games that that come in and out of rotation basically so often um in order to keep up with what is going on in esports um and -hmm. really like changing your league format every year or two years that you know okay this is going to be the world's game this is going to be the the game to like the regular season games um you know you got to win your it's a best of five and you got to win it's like a valorant match a rocket league match a smite match like overwatch three three or whatever um and it's more like competing across multiple titles because that way at least you can keep up with the with the nature of the beast right there was oh, a show back on like G4 TV that did that. I don't know if you guys And I think that'd be awesome. That. I didn't watch it, but that sounds dope. It was like a fighting game, a shooting yeah, game. Yeah, They throw yeah. in like some DDR like occasionally, but it was a blast to watch. I have no idea what the name of it was, but it was so cool. They'd have like four of the like the top gamer people <laughs> like flying in to like play Here like he Smash is. or He's like a yeah. top gamer. It, it was really like cringy, probably like going back if I watched it oh, now. But back then, it was like the coolest thing I've ever watched. I wonder if that just has to be how the the setup is because you know there aren't baseballs that are going to be around for 120 mm-hmm. years. You know what I mean? Playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, go for it. Please do. Um, my experience is fans love Smite or fans love Rainbow Six, but they don't love both. You're right. <laughs> um, You're very right. Um, which, um, yeah, I just think, um, and like another cool part is like me as like a super casual Smite player, like I can watch and I can w- get onto Twitch and I can see Barracuda play Medusa or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I can immediately, he's the best in the world at what he does. They're one of the best, you know, mm-hmm. and then I can immediately go into Smite and I can try and do that exact same thing. Like that's a super organic like experience you can have with esports that like, you don't get to go hang out with LeBron on the court and like talk to him in chat while he's streaming and like doing what he does, you know? <laughs> yep. Exactly. But, like, you get to do that with pro gamers. And like, mm-hmm. if I want to do that, I want to do that with like the very best in Smite, not like the guy that's like, good at smite and just is also cracked at valorant but <laughs> so no you're that's totally like right. a fan i come from a different angle yeah right no you're, you're totally right and that's the exact type of example i give to um people who are not endemic to esports is like i can want to do what lebron does really badly and i just won't be able to um wasn't it um gars that went to play rocket league or something yeah I th- yeah yeah i think he did prime example there that you did he's do what you're good at, man. <laughs> just yep. throw that Thor hammer. Just play and Thor, just bro. Making oh. some money, dude. <laughs> bro, Gars could have been. So, I mean, he was really good, but he yep. could have had such a long career. That man, just he, I don't know. 
He was I absolutely cr- like I hated that team because I was such a fan of you guys, and like that team just came out of nowhere, and just like wrecked the league for a year. I was like, yeah. they don't respect, like they don't deserve this spot. <laughs> <laughs> These children coming in, what are they doing? <laughs> These little kids, bro. Boosh just like rawting everyone in the mid lane. Yep. Like, yeah, for Boosh, sure. Boosh, Gars, Divio, Snoopy, Ionic, like literally like 14, 15, 16 year olds. What like. would they do? I don't remember. I think it was like a. There was like hog mid camps or something weird at the first, and like it was right when mid camp control. Like if you got that, mm. like you pretty much won the game. It was like season one or two, but like, yeah, and they just came out crazy, and it was yeah, just, they were it was so, so weird as a fan, just like see a new team just come out of the blue and just like take a league by surprise. It was cool. And then they yeah. joined your org, Barra. Speaking of orgs, they they hopped on the cognitive grind. Yeah, well, we were scrim partners. I've always loved being scrim partners, but I think the league is just so different now where you can't be but it, it was just so nice to be able to scrim partner like cog red back then and just practice like specific things that you wanted to whereas now you're like practicing versus so many different teams and getting so many different like flavors but i think i guess back then it was just more about like mechanical skill purely than strategies and now i think it's the best strategy wins that day mm. unless someone has like a ridiculously good game which I don't think it happens too often anymore where someone just straight up like out mechanically skills someone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, back then it was just the Wild West, bro. Like mechanics were just king in my opinion back then. Yeah, how do you, how productive do you think your scrim sessions were looking back at those uh, season one scrims? Like, how oh, much I wish really I could, learning? dude. <laughs> I have no idea. I remember like some days would be me yelling at Stealth and being like, Stealth, stop being a crybaby. Like, you gotta focus. <laughs> like, stop like yelling and then Andy would be like halfway through scrims. I want to scrim today. Yeah. Not scrim today. <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, no, we have to scrim. Like me and Jeff are like boys. We gotta practice. And I'm back. <laughs> it's just there. Like Baskin's just there and like along for the ride at that point. But it was just a different time. Whereas now it's like you show up to scrims and you scrim for the three hours. Like you can't mm-hmm. just be like, oh, I don't want to scrim today. Like. You, you can't really do that nowadays because the competition is so high, in my opinion, now. It's a job. You know, you got to mm-hmm. show up and do your job. Yep. Unlucky. It's know? just a, I don't know, it's just a different scene. But back to the topic, I think it needs to be, like, the game to, like, be of all games needs to be a very approachable to the average audience. Like, someone who doesn't play the game that often. Yep. And, like, I think... Because the fans will always watch the game. Like, Smite fans will always watch Smite. Apex people will always watch Apex. Um, but it needs to attract different people without the, like, tremendous prize pools that are at, like, Worlds events, in my opinion. Right. But I don't know, like, how approachable that realistically is. Because, like, I feel like Riot will always, like, make their own games. And I feel like high will always make their own games. I feel like people won't, like, come together to make one singular like esport title to be the esport title of like all esports i guess the game. i think that like as a company though like you're approaching that like am i making a video game or am i making an esports league because like mm-hmm. right the money that fortnite brings in outside of esports is like what ten thousand x probably like yeah. there's way no like comparison there and i'm sure smite's the same with like skin cells it's like what does like skin cells really make versus like what the esports scenes make so right you always gotta have like uh i don't know sucks dude money talks in business yeah. <laughs> sure does sure does that's the way it be um yeah poogie what is it like like 
being an owner and watching a team compete uh, in something like a world championship. I'm sure it's uh, very much like watching your kid play, you know, a, a big t-ball match or something like that. And I do mean t-ball in the case of Barra's uh, performances at times. Kind of, kind of similar to that type of vibe. For sure. Um, at least that's how my experience was. Like, I think Barrett could probably tell you, but like, we had like fun trips, like going to New York. Like, we just went to B and H, like this huge like uh, electronic equipment store, like Best Buy kind of, but like cooler, and just like streamed out of there, and like went and got pizza downtown. Was like stuck in a huge snowstorm. Like, we just had these like cool like homey experiences um and so then like going to worlds and like watching them win or like come to the booth and hang out and like seeing all their fans like you're just like excited for them dude it's cool Mm -hmm. yeah i uh i can imagine that it's so much more stressful that way i've noticed that i've gotten more stressed watching spl this year Mm -hmm. than i did like literally regular season games than i ever did when i was casting them because when you're in it it's like oh i'm just casting and like i don't have to think about it but now i'm like but what if they lose and they'll be sad? Like that'll be, you know, or like, <laughs> I feel like it's so much, it's so much harder to be a spectator and mm. keep your emotions in check that then even when you're competing, it obviously the, the mm. competition pressure is so different and it's just like, it's such a different angle of attack on you. Um, but in my experience, at least I didn't experience emotions like that when I was playing or when I was casting. Uh, when I'm playing, I or when you're just kind of in it. Um, but when you're watching, it's like when it's so out of your control and you're not involved at all. You're like stressed about the outcome. For sure, yeah, I, I get way more stressed out watching games and playing. It is terrifying watching someone play. I don't know why, but it's like spectating the games. I think for this most recent land, I I can't remember. It was like D Dub's team. Like I really wanted them to win, and it was just like every mistake. I'm like, no. No, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, please. Like, I, I was freaking out on stream the whole time, so I can definitely relate to that. It's just, you always want to see the team that you like play well, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. Or, like, don't make any mistakes, and then you can see everything from top down, and yeah. Yeah, for it's sure. Terrible. Pookie, were you going to say something? I lost it. I saw Final King in the chat, and I love oh. that guy, so I was going to distract a little bit. I know. You just you <laughs> think about him, his muscles and all that kind of stuff, and it's just really hard to... To yeah. stay focused, I uh, I totally understand that. In fact, uh, like I literally lost what I was about to say because <laughs> I literally started thinking about Alex muscles, uh, and then I totally lost it. It was something about like saving money in phone plans. Uh, Barra, help me out, maybe. What anything coming like to mind? Slipping something into a contract? Mm, no, there was oh. something about how like. We hate middlemen. Like, we don't like Monkey oh, okay. in the Middle as a game, maybe? Oh, I think I got it. It was about how Mint Mobile... Holy uh, crap! Awesome mobile product that also sponsors the Backliners, so that, you know, that's awesome. much helps out your homies here, Agro and Barra. Um, they take out that middleman. You know, you don't got to deal with that, that upsell. You just go straight to Mint Mobile. They're going to give you a super good rate on your cell phone service. It's going to be super reliable. I think, Barra, you and Destiny use it. You can testify to how it's changed your life. Um, and I, hey, what the hell? Slash backliners, get a little promo, get a little, save a little more. Holy! Dude. I'm, I'm leaning back in my chair, bro. I'm relaxed. Right? I don't got to do anything. Pookie's got it all for us. My That's goodness. Barra, do what he said. Tell him about how oh, much yeah, you yeah. love it. Yeah, we actually just renewed our plans for, uh, you know, barely any money. It took about two seconds, thankfully. 
Oh, and so uh, one of Destiny's coworkers was talking to her about her uh, phone plan, and she was paying for three lines. She was paying a hundred and twenty dollars a month with another phone service. And guess how much I just renewed mine for? It was how like, much was it? It was like a little two hundy, you know. Ooh. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. I mean, you're saving a lot of money. And like I said, as someone who pinches every single penny in my bank account, it's I true. love saving money. I have a story for that, too, as well. Oh, no. Oh, please do. Right me? after, I let everyone know that all they have to do to get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped straight to your door for free is go to mintmobile.com slash backliners. That's mintmobile.com slash backliners. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month. At mintmobile.com slash backliners. Pookie, I cannot wait for this story. Please lay it on me. 20, uh, what was it? We went to Vegas, Bear. 2018 season kickoff. <laughs> oh, no, no. All-star, like, HyperX <laughs> premiering their arena or whatever at the Luxor. I travel so down nervous. with Bear and the boys. This, no, this is actually a pretty good story for you and oh, okay, Ben, good. I think, actually. Okay, cool. um, we play United. We stomp those guys like not even close like Easily. felt pretty good Scrubs. i do think though there was something weird like P- pbm was playing jungle or something weird happened with someone couldn't oh, travel I for do, them so it, it was yeah. weird but it's just like a show match whatever mm-hmm. goofing having fun mm-hmm. um again we've never like taken investment as an org like just kind of sliding sean's credit card and we go on these trips I'm like hey guys like let's go out to dinner after like this will be dope i get trolled so hard we go into this restaurant and it's like the steak is sold at like Wagyu, $42 an ounce. Like that's how the menu is working. Oh, and I'm Lord. seeing in these prices and I'm knowing that I'm covering this bill and I'm just going, shit, like this is <laughs> bad. Like Sean is going to be pissed. I'm going to drop three grand on this meal, whatever. It wasn't that much. It was like, it was like 800 bucks. But like Vera ordered pasta. I remember that. I was super grateful for you ordering <laughs> pasta. Like I like inside, like I was like, this guy gets it. Like he's not taking advantage of me. I really like this guy. He's dope. <laughs> Um, I remember, dude, fries were $15 and then we ordered like six sides for the table. I'm like, I just spent like <laughs> fresh fries, dude. <laughs> so anyway, so then I ordered tuna and it was 70 bucks for a piece of tuna. So then like, obviously like the steaks were like 200 bucks or whatever, but, um, yeah. So bear is pinching money, even at other people's dime. I dude, what that. a great, what a great moment. I've never had meat that expensive that was worth that price. And every time I've tried to like order the high dollar like steak or whatever, I've always been like, I could probably do this better at home for like a just like a piece of meat from the deli. I mean, vegan now, but you you get it now. You get it back in the day. And uh, it's I don't know. Uh, every time I see those prices, I'm like, nah, that, that it's not worth it. You're <laughs> that is me. so funny, dude. That is so funny. Look. Pookie, I, I respect you. I'm, I've got your back. Uh, I'm ordering a steak in that situation, and I'm sorry. Uh, no, like I'm you just it. want to show match, like your org's taking you out. Like, this is it, you know? You're yeah. living your esports dream. I say you go for it. But, yeah. uh, but Bear's a better man. Now. Like, that's nothing, but it's just like early on. Like, oh man, we literally only have like a thousand in the account. <laughs> <laughs> and Bear saved. Bear, you saved You're Space welcome. Station as an org, it sounds like. You know, if you had yeah. gotten a steak, that would have been it. Dude. <laughs> It's if it's someone else's dime, man. You gotta. You gotta it's true. You it. can't. You cannot be doing the thing where it's like, oh, you're paying. Looks like I'm getting every appetizer. Like everyone yeah. always makes that joke. No one thinks that's funny. No one likes mm-hmm. it. Don't do it. Just be normal about it. You know, it's yeah, not. Just it's be not a normal human. 
Get a normal entree. Don't get like the most expensive thing on the menu. Yes. Like... Oh, that is the worst. You're totally right. I, I like. <laughs> I'm just flashing back to so many bad memories of situations like that. And now I'm getting tilted. Um, I've never had like a two hundred dollar steak, but you're right. There's no way it could be worth that that cost. I feel like if it, if a steak's over, like a normal size steak. Now, dude, I bet it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Like the. The, the best steakhouse I've ever eaten at is here in Atlanta. Um, Puka, you next time you're in town, we, we got to go. Uh, it won't be on Space Station's card, I promise. Um, you know, it's like... It'll still be on yours. 80, <laughs> well, I didn't say that. Uh, like 85, 90 bucks, a super expensive steak. Um, but it's like the best thing of all time. Uh, I feel like that's like... I don't want to pay... If, if I'm paying more than $100, I'm like, come on, man. But if it's like mm-hmm. 80, I get it. You know, it's a high-end, like, steakhouse. Like, I feel like that's in the acceptable range. Hey, man, just like Jake said, dude, you got to draw the line somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) That is going to become a legendary line on this podcast. I'm going to use that all the time. If you're sick of paying too much for your wireless bill, it's as if Jake's, as as Jake said, you got to draw the line somewhere. And for me, it's $15 a month for my line. Um what, what was I going to say? I think you said that you, when we were talking about this show, that you had uh, that you had some stories that you wanted to tell. That Barra one was great. Are there any more you wanted to to tell the people about your time in, in Smite? Um, dang, I'm just trying to think. I mean, just a ton of like fun times and memories. I can't think of any off top of my head. I did have uh, a Bravo show and tell. Oh, perfect. This is, my, this is the favorite piece of merch. That I own. Super rare, like one of one. Um, I hope Fine Okay is still in chat. Oh, I have a story for that too. Okay. Yeah. Just to show how like unprepared we were for esports. Um, we first started, we didn't have a jersey supplier. I had no idea what like what we were doing. Like we're just idiot YouTubers, okay? So <laughs> we gotta figure out how to make these professional jerseys. Couldn't find anyone to help us, like, couldn't find even a local company. I literally went online, downloaded um, like a sewing template and like threw a pattern over top of it and we got it cut. We like some local guy sublimated that pattern on like white fabric and we had a friend cut and sew it for us. No and Those way. are the jerseys we sent with them to Valencia Dreamhack and you can look the collars like it's like you're wearing like a 70s V-neck. Like it's clear down. Like it's so <laughs> like it just does not fit. It looks it's just so funny. I that hope Final Crystal has that because it's just like a such a funny story of where we kind of came from. But anyways, we finally got a jersey provider for our next um, kind of squad. But DJ Pernicus was our coach oh, for like oh, man. three Look weeks. At that. And this is like a one-on-one, and I wear this to the office like every other week. Dude, this is my that is awesome favorite man. jersey of all time. I love that because he's super hot, and he never got this. Like this was his jersey. To, oh. Perfect example, dude. I never sent the guy his jersey and he left the org, dude. So- oh, my God. He's, you're his elevate, man. This is terrible. Now, yeah. we, now we all found it out. Uh, if I know one thing, by the way, about any esports jersey manufacturer is that they have to find the material that holds in body odor the best. That is the most mm-hmm. important thing for esports jerseys is how much can the smell remain post-wash. And if it remains a lot, then that is going to be what the jersey is made from that's the most important mm-hmm. thing in my experience they all smell terrible they all do 
Yeah, because gamers sweat a lot. You wouldn't well, think you're up sweat on stage. It's hot. Like I don't, Bro, I'm I not sweat. putting the blame on them. I'm really not. I'm sweating right now, man. I'm not. It's uh, I sweat during scrims. I sweat during everything. This guy's so sweaty all the time. Such I a really tryhard. Yeah, I don't know. It's, if as soon as someone can figure out how to make an esports jersey that actually smells good after being washed and uh, worn and then washed, uh, that company should get all the business forever. That's really mm-hmm. like what what they need to figure out. Sorry, I got a little sidetracked because I thought about it. Go ahead, Pookie. Oh, good. No, I wasn't going to say anything, but I was going to say, like, it's crazy how, like, and, like, from a player side and, like, your guys' side, I'm sure you see it, too, of, like, working with higher res and, like, trying to, like, collaborate with other companies, but, like, it's crazy how many hugely successful companies are just, like, suck to work with. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just a pain in the butt. Like, we've had to go from, like, we've had, like, four or five third-party merch sponsors and just, like, eventually, like, F it, like, we're just going to pay a guy in-house to figure out how to source clothes from Alibaba and we'll get our own samples and we'll just handle it ourselves because it's just not worth like what these companies charge you. Like that's how it is. That, is that what you guys do? So it's like really in-house for you guys for your merch? Oh, uh, you want to hear something dope? Yeah, I do. So just like the structure of this. Okay. So there's space station gaming and then the space station, which is just like you hear like the umbrella, like the parent company or whatever. Mm-hmm. So under the space station, you have like Sean Duris, his social media, space station gaming, whatever, kind of like these companies that are more like you need your day-to-day employees to run them, which is kind of where I fit in with space station gaming. But we also have these insane departments like it's called labs, for example, where they're the ones that source all of our merch and like signage and like stuff like props, whatever we need, or like stuff that we put in like a giveaway or like a bonus thing on the merch like they'll source all that for us so we've built this infrastructure of like there's all these support companies so like we can literally think of any business idea we want and say okay we'll have this team do that we'll have this team do that we'll do this and like let's launch this company and we have like the the hard part as a company is just the distribution but with sean like that's taken care of like we have mm-hmm. such a spread across that and like the talent agency that we run that like it's crazy like just potential here is limitless it feels like sometimes which kind of sucks sometimes because you get a lot of opportunities that come and like mm-hmm. workload gets heavy but right super dope yeah well i i gotta say and i'm not just saying this because you're here and i'm blowing smoke i say it anytime i'm asked uh all of the space station merch is the best quality of any esports merch i've gotten uh i wear yep. like the one gray like uh space station t-shirt space station gaming t-shirt you know with like a little waveform on it the the kind of retro look i wear that all the time it's been through the wash a thousand times, still soft and good. This hoodie is like one of the, whenever I go uh, up back up north to Pittsburgh for Christmas, I always bring this hoodie because it's like the warmest one I own. Uh, and it's it's like the best. So whatever you guys are doing on the merch side, you're doing it right as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, just kind of like strategy is... <sighs> why take advantage of a fan just give them a dope hoodie at a reasonable price and like make them a fan for life and they'll support you forever so like yeah take a little bit of hit on margins but who cares dude you're not building this to make all your money in merch you're building this for like an eventual buyout or like huge acquisition cost down the road 10 years so right take that approach to everything and like yeah like Everything will work well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I know I mentioned that, that I wanted to ask this, and I'm glad I remembered. Uh, I think like last week or two weeks, it was two weeks ago, we were talking about this whole 
Hundred Thieves and the mob situation where, you know, the mob was talking about... I, what was... I, what's the guy's name? I totally forget. Frosty? Uh, Frosty, yeah. Frosty was say, talking about, you know, how they were treated and, and all that kind of stuff. And it seemed like social media was uh, pretty... From at least my timeline was pretty pro Hundred Thieves in that situation. It, you know, mm-hmm. it to, to a lot of people. And, and I agreed after doing a little more research after that podcast that... No one's going to be happy uh, losing money, um, even when it's, you know, the contract that they sign and uh, all that, and they're getting all these other benefits. It's just really easy to focus in on, like, I'm losing this amount of money due to this sponsorship deal or whatever. Um, but it seemed to me like it was pretty standard in a lot of ways and just like it didn't work out for for any number of reasons and i figured you know since we talked about it from a more player facing focus I, i'd be interested in hearing your thoughts as a as an org owner what what you thought of that whole situation for sure um first off i also want to back like content creators in themselves like i worked for a youtube daily editor like i was a daily editor for a daily vlog and like just the work it takes to become like a content influencer to build your own brand is insane then let alone having asks from your org on top of that to build content like you're running like a a business at that point like it's not yeah. just you anymore like you know so that, that's a that's a tough transition to make for a lot of people that like i just don't think not that they can't handle it like definitely building your own brand is way harder than running that it's just like it's a new challenge that like i just don't think people realize sometimes but but that's the sad part is like, that's where the org should be able to come in and help like hundred thieves. Like sure. Maybe he didn't create the content and he's contracted to, and like, don't get me wrong. Like if you're running an org at the level that Nate shots involved with, like you don't really have time to check in to see if Frosty's making his content. Like that's just not right on your day to day, but like sucks that he didn't take advantage of the opportunity. Like I said, like, we didn't have jerseys, so I printed them out and had someone sew them. Like, figure out the problem <laughs> to your solution. But also, as a company, like, stuff you invest in, it shouldn't be seen as, like, pure financial growth. Like, you should want to see your streamers succeed. So I think there should have been more communication of, like, how can we help you? Why isn't stuff happening? Like, mm-hmm. hopefully someone's looking after that in your company, like, where your money and your investment's going. So right, definitely just, like, a huge ball dropped on both ends of, like, not making stuff happen. And then whoever at hundred thieves should have been communicating and like reporting why stuff wasn't happening. Why did it ever get four months in before anyone notices anything or like says anything? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense to, to have those like producers almost as, is the closest analog that, you know, we have in the game dev industry. Um, just like, but it's hard. Like job are there to be like, yo, we still good. Is everything good? Mm -hmm. And I know like from experience, like, just SSG has so much stuff to worry about. Like, I don't know when Bear is streaming. Like, I'll tune in when I can, but, like, hopefully he mm-hmm. does that and hopefully he hits whatever stream deliverable we ask him to promote that day. But, like, you have people and, like, processes in place, but, like, you kind of just hope everyone's going to give their best effort. But also, you need to have steps in place to, like, check people. Like, we're running a business and, like, there needs to be accountability. So, but, like, you can do it in a way that's healthy and you would avoid these toxic situations of no conversation or communication for five months and then it erupting. And, like, sure, like, 100 Thieves comes out on top in this situation, I think, but, like, 
still shitty that like that drama is aired out in front of the public like right. how much do you really win you know yeah so. no neither, neither side really winning for sure yeah bear were you gonna say something there that cut you off yeah i always hate when that stuff is like promote on social media because it always turns into like a he said she said like yep whoever lights the fire the brightest like whether they're being truthful or being like overly aggressive trying to get like their fans on their side whoever it is like it, there's just always like ugliness in my opinion smeared on both sides mm-hmm. and i always like in my opinion you should always handle that stuff privately unless it's literally your last resort and they're not responding to you anymore and you need to like get attention on a certain subject but even then like unless you outright win the argument or disagreement i think it's just it's so ugly on both sides yeah yeah i think um i've got one more question i want to ask you pookie before the random question of the week i know we're already a little over time but i know no worries man it's really good um it's really hard. I'm so old these days that it's hard for me to not like get up on my soapbox at times. Um, but it's funny you say that. I've noticed recently that like there's certain technology things like I just won't adapt. And it's like my first admittance of like becoming a boomer. Like I just feel it happening. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> luckily, I feel like I'm kind of nuanced enough to realize it. So I like I won't adapt, but like I'll be like, okay, that's fine that you do things differently. But like I'm finally getting to that point in my life where it's just like I like way things the way I like right. them. Like, can't right. we just do it the way I know how to do it, guys? <laughs> like, come on. But the the what the story about you not having a jersey sponsor and not being able to find one and just like getting you know printing them out and finding someone to sew them together. Like I've worked in a lot of different industries now. Um, you know, I worked at my uncle's restaurant for forever when I was young and worked in sports broadcasting for many years and then was a caster and now I'm a game dev. And the the thing that is true again across all of these industries, some of which are really not linked at all in any way besides the fact that they're work, is that the people who just figure out a way to get things done, even if it's not the easiest or the prettiest or, or the the cleanest, just like... And it's not to say don't ask for help or anything like that. It's just like if you if you just accept that okay, this is just gotta how it, it's just gotta get done. Can I be creative and find a way to get it done? Those are the people that are successful at their jobs across all of those industries. And it, I'm old enough now that I can say I feel pretty confident in saying that'll get you where you want to be in almost every industry that that mm-hmm. you want to get into. So the the people who try the first thing that comes to mind and then give up and go, oh, I couldn't do it. Um, that mm-hmm. th- those are the people that, um, th- you're, you're going to, you're going to gate yourself pretty quickly. Uh, if that's your mentality, sure. um, across esports, content creation, game development, you know, building an org, whatever you want to do. Um, just don't, you know, it's not just giving up when your first one, two, three, 53 attempts don't work. Um, it's being a little tenacious. So I thought that was a, I thought that was a great story. Um, the last thing that I wanted to ask you, Pookie, before, uh, before we get to the random question of the week, I have forgotten. And I took a long time posing this question in hopes that my brain would spit it back out at me. Um, <laughs> and here we are, and it still hasn't come to me quite yet. So that is really unlucky. Uh, you hate when that happens again, I'm getting old. Um, I just, I just don't got it anymore. <laughs> 
But uh, before we get the random question of the week, then oh, I remember what it was. Uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners and viewers are interested in becoming content creators um, and esports players, and you know, being picked up on an esports team is is pretty straightforward. You know, get on a team that's good enough, you, you'll get an org. Um, for content creators, why don't you say it like that? Because that sounds like the hardest thing in the world to me. Yeah, we're like making a channel on YouTube sounds like the easiest thing in the world to me. We're like that probably sounds like daunting to pro players. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh <laughs> lord, that sounds so. That sounds like so much work and management and all this kind of. Dude, Pookie, I'm gonna be real with you. We've been, I've been, we're trying to set up like a Patreon for the for the podcast so that people can like support us directly. <laughs> Bro, I've been trying for like two weeks. Every time I think about it, I'm like, uh. I gotta figure out, you know, like we gotta get a Discord no, hard, made, like all this kind Eventually of stuff. You make so many memes, you're just not excited to make memes to post to Twitter anymore. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's just the way it is. Um, but like, so for content creators, can you give uh, some advice on how to build your own? You know, not not this whole like building your own personal brand, which like is so so mm-hmm. grandiose and all this kind of stuff. But like, what are some small, easy to understand steps? that content creators can take in order to set themselves in the right direction to getting picked up for an org they want to work for? Um, I think having a fan base that is genuine to you and like, maybe it's small, but like I've talked to streamers in the Smite community who average four to 500 viewers and they still make 10 K a month. Um, and that is what it is. But what I'm saying is like, because you have this dedicated following and this fan base, like that's way more attractive to us as space station gaming that we can say, Hey, here's our sponsor oats overnight, plug it. And I know we're going to get X amount of sales versus you do crazy off the wall content that is funny and viral, but like, you're not really building a community that like cares about you or like, you're just kind of like flavor of the week mm-hmm. content. So that's a good way to approach it for sure. Um, again, that's very hard. Like, turning on a camera on Twitch and just like being a cool person and like being yourself, like for the people that can get 30,000 views, like that's gotta be insane. Like just how cool that feels. It's just like, I have a dope personality and people think that like, that's way harder to do. I think than like creating good YouTube content that you can edit and cater and like change all this stuff. Like in my mind, that's just how I think. Like, sure. Um, but anyways, um, shoot, I kind of got off topic. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, content creators getting into the sport. So yeah, create something that, you have a passionate fan base about. And then like, also I think it's important to find your niche. Like look at Incon for example, like nothing against Smite, but it's not the biggest game in the world, but like there's a person that loves Smite, plays it every day, insane viewership numbers on Twitch, really good numbers on YouTube, like not crazy, but like he's just uploading VODs, you know, like copy paste, who cares? And like, there's, I'm convinced every video game, if you love it and you're passionate, you can make a career in it at this point. Like that's such a dope opportunity that like, if I love something, I can just do it. So I think if you like, that's what orgs are looking for is just like that, at least space station gaming, at least Um, Mm -hmm. just like people that really care and just like kind of understand like what it means to build a community because we come from that, that same point of like, that's really what moves the needle, I think. And like brings value. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a great point. I mean, uh, when I think about like content creators who I'm like really envious of, uh, you know, getting, uh, I just understand that 
getting to, to, to people who really don't like going to their office job or working, you know, uh, construction or, you know, the, these physically demanding jobs, sitting there and playing Smite for eight hours a day sounds like an absolute dream. Um, it's and not. It, and it can be. Uh, but I've done, I've done some of that, but that's like, that really sucks. Sometimes, uh, Mm -hmm. the guy who I'm the most jealous of is Tim, the tap man. That guy's stream is the best. I love Mm -hmm. Tim. First of all, he, I think that he is my, he's my favorite stream personality of, of any of the big streamers. And I don't watch him play a single game these days. I haven't watched Tim do gameplay in maybe two years, but I'm turning on his stream in the mornings for him to to watch links and just like talk about what he's thinking about and just react to stuff. And then as soon as he starts loading up COD, I'm out. I don't I don't care. <laughs> but like that's what I would I would how love to do that. that. Like how You're awesome camera, is that? Be yourself, freaking be a one percent insane money. Like oh my gosh, <laughs> dude, dude he, made, so he must make a ton of pressure so though. Like but like money. if you can manage that, dude, like that'd be dope. Yep. Variety streamers are like they gotta have the best lifestyle of all dude <laughs> have to of all the streamers to. at least yeah no no doubt in my mind all right time for the random question of the week uh this week i uh, i noticed this when i was checking the youtube comments of our last podcast which all of a sudden i do now uh please be nice to us oh, no. um someone was talking about elden ring and how difficult it was for them to to beat elden ring and i, I don't know about you guys I, I haven't played a dark souls game um i'm somewhat interested in playing elden ring someday but i or sekiro but they just they wanted to know about difficult games that that you've played. Um, Ooh. And I know Barra, I know you were not a single player game guy. Mm. Uh, but one of the yeah. first things that comes to mind when I think about like games that are hard that I've played, Fortnite is a hard game when you think about like like that game's impossible as far as I'm concerned. Like I watch gameplay clips of these like 12-year-olds on iPads and I'm like that guy is moving at the speed of light like what is happening right now when i think of difficult games that i've played i've got another uh, like a single player one that i'll go after you guys but like as far as multiplayer games go i would consider fortnite to be like nearly impossible to play at a high level are there games that come to mind for for you pookie that you've played and you were like how is anyone actually good at this um i don't know I kinda, i've kind of had a weird gaming career of like high school got really into halo then went to World of Warcraft, then went to Smite, and just have kind of been like that's the last game I really got into. I've kind of casually played stuff there. So, sure. But um, I think Halo is definitely where I get the most frustrated. I've definitely like thrown controllers into the dresser and like, oh, yeah. uh, F enraged and like punch desk really hard. like punch stuff with like hoping I would break it, but like it never happens. Like I just hurt my face. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the worst? Because you know, in the back of your mind, I shouldn't break this thing. But you really want to, and then you can't, even though you want to. And then it's you're just yeah. like mad that you couldn't even do the thing you wanted to do. I've been there. I've been yep. there for sure. That's uh, funny. Barry? For me, multiplayer-wise, I think it was CSGO. Uh, mm. I think I just tried to play it one or two days, and I was like, how do you aim in this game? Like, I put my reticle on them, I shoot, and I don't hit a bullet. Yep. And I just, it doesn't make sense to me. And then I watch... Like, good people play the game, and they put their reticle on them. They shoot, and they hit it. And I'm like, what's the difference? Like, yeah, it's not fair. What, yeah, like, am I am I moving? Like, am I, do I just not know what I'm doing? And then also, uh, in my opinion, Apex, just because I played a lot of Apex in the offseason. Not this most recent offseason, but in most offseasons, I play Apex. Mm-hmm. 
And the skill gap and skill cap in that game are just tremendous. Like, the people that are really good at that game will beat you every single time. And yeah. just the way you can move in that game, the way you can shoot in that game, it just feels so fluid. And it feels, it almost feels like a single player game because you feel when you mess up. And that's painful. Mm. And I feel like in Smite, sometimes you don't really feel when you mess up. But in Apex, it's like every single gunfight, I feel, is kind of a tremendous responsibility for like each person on your team. And just watching, like, the people that are way better than me at shooters play that game, as someone who's played shooters basically his whole life, I think that it's just a really, like, fun game to watch. Yeah. Yeah, Apex is a good one. I should play some more Apex again. I haven't played Apex in, like, three years, probably. It's so How good. long has it been uh, out? Is that, a, is that an accurate timeline? Probably not. Yeah, three or four years, I'd say. I think. Well. Holy crap. Time time doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, the single player game I was thinking of, uh, when I was younger, I beat, uh, I play, I love playing Ninja Gaiden. Um, and I've like looked up in the, uh, I remember talking to my friend about it and he was like, yeah, that game was so hard. And I kind of like, it unlocked the memory of playing it and how much I died and how much like I just mm-hmm. like could not do it at times. And then I went back and watched some gameplay and I was like, did I actually beat this or am I lying? Like, did I actually like beat this game? Because it looks really hard. I really want to go back and play it again, but I loved uh, That was like the most challenging game I can remember playing. Um, but I loved it. It was just like a fun, like hack and slash, really gory. Uh, and it's just like ninjas are just obviously cool. Like what could possibly be more cool than ninjas except for lightning. So it's like mm-hmm. lightning ninja is about as cool as you can get as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I don't think I ever played that game. Is it Dude, just it, like a? It was hard. Like a Dark Souls game, or like survival game, or what? Um, no, it was or like uh, it was just like a typical single player game. I think like you're mm-hmm. kind of not really an RPG. I wouldn't say, but you know, you just got it's got a story and it's got its levels, and you just like go and level up your weapons a little bit and get some new weapons and kill the kill the bad guys. Uh, hmm. It was really fun. It had, like, the flashy, like, executions, like, God of War has and that kind of stuff. I'm a sucker for those things, man. Like, little quick time events, I love those. Uh, Gamers say they hate quick time events, not me. I love quick time events. What's a quick time event? Quick time events when, like, it goes into, like, you lose, your your game becomes scripted, and then it's, like, A pops up. Yeah, like, you gotta press A at the right time, and then Spider-Man, like darts mm-hmm. under their legs and punch them in the face then you gotta press x and then they get you know it's like all that kind of stuff I, wh- what are you playing games for if not for cool cinematic moments like that and it's just way easier to do it yeah, i'm not moment. gonna lie i, I don't <laughs> like those either <laughs> oh. yeah right. sorry just also me. i don't really remember like really difficult single player games so i really didn't play a lot of like single player games ever it would be really funny barry as someone since you've never played like any single player games i would watch you play like elden ring <laughs> or sekiro or something oh like that. i would actually i was at vin's place i can't i think it was before i think it was when he was on like renegades and his apartment i played one boss in sekiro like never played it before i played one boss for like two hours and never beat it and I just, I, it were was so confusing. Sit, were, were there like other people over and you were just sitting there trying to beat this Sekiro boss? Is that what was going no, on? No, I was, 
I was hanging out with Vin, and uh, I think it was, like, for a LAN or something. Mm. And I was just, like, staying there the night or, like, staying there the weekend. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. And I was playing, and I'm like, how do people play this? Like, I don't get it. Yeah. Because normally my brain, like, starts to learn things, and then it would, like, change the way it fought. And I'm like, this is not fair. fair. <laughs> like, That's what am cheating. I supposed to do? Like... The, the but I just learned is it. different now. Yeah, like what am I supposed to do? And so I would either my brain either goes to like I'm going to play this until I beat it, or I'm just going to give up now and save myself a lot of time. Mm. So I decided at his house that I would just give up. But if I was at my house, I would just be like grinding that for like eight hours. I will beat this boss like eventually. Sounds like a a good sub goal for you, Barra. Like uh... true. Get a certain amount of subs. I'll play Sekiro until this boss. You know, ask someone who, ask Ben or someone who knows, and uh, then it's like, it'll be entertaining. You can't quit, and it'll be fun for everyone, and you'll make a ton of money. Yeah, actually, the only single player games I played were like, uh, someone said in chat, but it was like, it was like Pokemon games, like Game Boy Color and like mm-hmm. Game Boy Advance games back then. Yeah, and a few like I play like the Call of Duty campaigns and like the halo ce and halo 2 campaigns but even at like halo 3 i started to get bored of campaigns and it was Mm. just not fun and halo reach good lord yeah yeah don't even get me started dude i haven't played infinite's campaign at all uh i don't know that i finished five's campaign um yeah infinite has their campaign but you can't do online co-op which is what i wanted to do uh (laughs) And now I think they just said that they're not coming out with any online co-op. Like, it's never coming out. That they're only doing local co-op for Infinite. I think is what they said. I don't know if you know, Pookie. Or I know you're kind of tuned into Halo a little bit. Uh, I'm not allowed to speak on the matter. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think yeah. it did get pushed back. Um, but yeah. Sad. Sad. I, I, I'm actually not 100% sure. Yeah, that, like, side of the business, couldn't. Yep. Not that I couldn't care less, but like too much stuff to take care about. So yep. <laughs> care about stuff, gotta, so. As Jig said, you got to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> That's right. You know, you just got to draw the line somewhere. All right, Pookie, thanks so much for coming on, man. Uh, really appreciate the time. I, th- I I was really interested in this discussion, um, and I'm sure a lot of our viewers and oh. all that kind of stuff will be as well. Uh, wait, Barry, were you going to say something? I would say I think it's like our longest episode ever. It's up there. It's up there for yeah. sure. I just got, I started thinking about esports being tall versus wide and i lost yeah. like <laughs> sent my whole brain into a frenzy i've got to find a way to like focus and do some work after this but thanks so much for coming on man uh super excited you'll be at worlds yeah i hope so we're here's the inside scoop we're trying to get in contact with some people you might know aggro uh just talk like what, what would it look like like even if nothing comes like what does it take to get orgs involved or like how does that relationship work at a level that works for everyone so mm-hmm. that's the goal we would love to go have that conversation because like like i said man like smite is where space station gaming started and like for me like this is like it like this is my career like i'm so invested in this and so like i have this huge sentimental attachment to smite and like what it's brought so like sucks to not be in there so yeah but like also like from high res aside like you guys got hosed by a lot of orgs that took advantage of like the generosity and like everything and like just no support from the orgs. So it's just like frustrating from both sides, I bet. So, yeah, like, and that's something that we're aware of. So, like, let's figure out a way to make it work, you know? Bro, you know, I'm rooting for it. Uh, I'm, 
I'm, I'm here to help facilitate in any way that I can, which is like absolutely <laughs> nothing anymore. But uh, I'm hoping that that we that you guys can find a way to make it work and uh, and certainly come down to Worlds because I I owe you a drink for sure for coming on here and like a two hundred dollar steak or something like that. Barra owes you. Um, he was what? telling me earlier. Yeah, he just owes me a oh. nice plate of pasta. Yeah, just one nice <laughs> plate of pasta. That, that's oh, all he no. needs. That's all he needs. All right, thanks again, man. Thanks, everyone, for watching slash listening. Remember, uh, our sponsors for this episode were Factor. Go.factor75.com slash backliners130 to get $130 off there. And then, of course, mintmobile.com slash backliners in order to get premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month. We'll be back next week with some show, talk about something, and maybe our Patreon will be set up by then, but who knows, honestly. It's, it's a total crap <laughs> at this point. Uh, thanks, everyone, for watching the last session. And, Barra, you know what to do. Uh, that was terrible. Well, you had a good oh, wait, one last wait. week, you know? Yeah. I gotta say, oh. You're I still alive? Mom. She, huh? she said hi in the chat. Um, oh, no. Did no, you turn it off? Nope. <laughs> See, I do this thing where I ch- change it to this screen, but our mics are still alive. So that's oh. all like behind the scenes that's sort cool, of feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's not good. Barry, you can't just do a second it's, buy just because your first one was bad. It's it's fried. It's, I'm, I'm, I can't. Unbelievable. Okay, I'll, I'll do it next week. I'll do a better one next week. Yeah, well, you better hope so or else Pookie's going to be coming on the show. He, he had a good ad read. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.